Good morning, everyone. Seems strange only having choir people up here for one song, but we will all survive. Back when I was in ministerial school, there was always this uh, ongoing conversation about the use of ritual in, in unity because, you know, we're the people who walked away from all that ritual stuff. And, and our one instructor was always, no, no, no. If you think there's no ritual, just change your order of service some morning. And everybody will just be going, what's going on? Why, why, why aren't we doing that? And so um, I, I choose to make it very clear when we are going to do things out of, out of the ordinary way that we do things. First off, I want to ask a question. Is there anybody in the room who does not have a stone and a pencil? Well, looks like we got almost full coverage. Everybody has a stone and a pencil. Some of you know what, what is going to happen today and some of you do not. So for those who do, first off, my name is Nita. I, I try to, I try to introduce myself once every six months or so. And Easter seems like a good day to do that. Um, one of the things that is really primary with us in New Thought and in Unity is that we are working with the way that our minds actually work, um, as opposed to the way that we wish our minds worked or living in the world we wish we lived in. We, we definitely believe in being firmly planted in this life where we are with the resources and the bodies and the minds that we actually have. And it doesn't mean that we can't change those circumstances, and that, in fact, is what we are working with, that concept of transformation. However, we need to actually acknowledge who we are, where we are, before we can start to go where we wish to be. It's just like the best map in the world is really not any good if you don't know where you're at starting from. If you have ever been, um, <laughs> if you've ever been wandering around the I-10 corridor without GPS and not knowing where you are and all you have is a map that does not tell you where you are, um, trust me, from personal experience, you can live a good portion of your life just wandering. So all of this is a long preparation to simply saying what we are going to do with those stones because our human mind really wants to know what's going to happen. And if we don't have a clue what's going to happen, that lizard brain is going to keep that loop going, well, I don't know. Why are they handing us stones? What kind of place is this? I don't know what they're going to do. And so it's easier just to like, let's just let everybody know what's going to happen. In a few minutes, we are going to do what we refer to as the white stone ceremony. And you'll learn more about it as we actually do it. But it's simply going to be a period of quiet and contemplation. And the stone is simply going to symbolize your direction for transformation in the coming year. And that's it. It's just going to be a period of, of prayer and of meditation and of some, some listening both to my words and more importantly to the words that are being spoken in your heart. And, and that's all that stone is for is just so that when you go home today, you will have something tangible as a reminder of what your deepest intention for your spiritual path for this coming period of time is. So that's all. It's no big deal. It's not a big, 
you know, there's no, there, I won't say it's not a specialness about the stone, but I'll talk about that later. But that's it. That's all it's for. So just don't, just don't fret. That's all I want to tell you is just don't fret over it. So welcome to all of you that are here today. For some of you, I, I know that some of you are here every single week, and if not every week, then pretty much every week. Others, we have certainly seen you before, and others of you perhaps have never walked in the building before. And so for all of you, know that you are welcome in this space. We accept that we are all connected in a spiritual sense and that we are each wonderful, unique, whole, complete, necessary pieces of the whole that's called humanity. And so welcome. Thank you for being here. If you're joining family members today, and this is maybe not the faith tradition that you would normally be in, I hope that you will find this to be still a safe and special place to be. And if you normally don't walk into any kind of a place like this, know that I hope that you too will feel welcomed and will know that really whatever the names are that we put on buildings, whatever the names are that we put on that which we may call God or may call divine mind or we may call Buddha mind or anything that we may call it, we are all here together with one another in community to honor the spiritual journey that is part of each and every one of us. And on Easter, of course, we are paying special honor to one of the spiritual masters, and that would be the one that goes by the name Jesus in our culture. So one of the things that unity and new thought look to Jesus as is as an example of a life lived to the fullest possibility of spiritual development. We believe that Jesus was a master teacher who had a mission while he was here among people and that that mission was to teach us that we too have that same divine origin that he had. We refer to Jesus frequently in unity as an elder brother, meaning that he would represent someone who cared for his fellow man as someone who involved all, all people into his ministry. He taught and socialized with people who were normally considered to be the outcasts of society. And he was very ardent about saying, I'm not here to break everything that's come before, but I'm here to help you understand more of that. We need to remember, whenever we think about Jesus, that he was a good Jew. Jesus grew up in a Jewish culture, which was patriarchal, which means the head was father. And so he he uses in the language that has come down to us, patriarchal language, 
But we also know through the example of the stories that we have that he did not exclude women. He did not exclude anyone. He simply wanted to teach how to more fully express source, God, spirit, father, as he referred to him. So we take that to mean this is someone who accepted his assignment in life to be willing to do what was his to do, even in times when it was challenging and in times when to a an earthly human perspective, things were not going very well at all. So... Of course, we have no eyewitness records. That's the first thing we have to recognize, is all of the stories that have come to us have come down through oral tradition. At some point, beginning literally over a hundred years after his, after his leaving the earth, at some point people began to write stories down. Now, I'm sure that all of you played the game telephone, when you were little kids, right? Where, you know, I would maybe write something and, and hand it to the person in the very back corner and he would speak it to, whisper it in the ear, whisper it in the ear, and it would come all the way through the room. And how many of you think that by the time it got to John up here, it would bear any resemblance to what we actually started off with? And that would be in the span of what, 15 minutes here in one little room? So, no one was taking notes. No one was transcribing. What we have in the Bible are the stories that reflect humankind's relationship to the divine. And that can take many, many forms. That can take so many forms. And so, we don't know really what Jesus' last words were. We don't know really what he said to the to the apostles we don't really have a transcript from anything what we do know is that over 2000 years later that something happened that involved Jesus and common stories of overcoming the experience of death to the point that over 2000 years later we're still talking about it so i'm willing to say something amazing happened on that day. The story that we are told, of course, I started the story last week with Jesus' approach into Jerusalem at the time of Passover and Palm Sunday. And of course, in the, in the past week, this, the narrative would have been that after celebrating Passover with his apostles, with his disciples, and telling them things are going to change, And you're not to be afraid. You're not to worry. I will return. And that one of them would betray him. And just sort of a little, a little, you know, I'm always like one of the hands raising my hand in favor of Judas had a job to do and he did it. And the thing to remember if you still are, if you are still equating Judas with like one of the two worst humans in history, is to remember that the Bible states, so if we are going to look to the Bible as part of the story, the Bible actually says that when Jesus told them that one of them would betray him, 
Everybody didn't look at at Judas and go, oh, well, we know who it's going to be. What they did was say, surely it's not me. The disciples were not certain of their own ability to walk through the coming days. So every one of them apparently saw within themselves the potential to do something they could not imagine doing. And so metaphysically, we look at this and we just remember that this is that part of us. Because again, the story, yes, it's telling the story of a person's spiritual journey. It is also telling us the story of our spiritual journey. How many times in your own life, and you do not need to raise your hand, you do not need to share this, but how many times in your own life have you been just that far from doing something amazing, something incredibly amazing, kind, meaningful, and convinced yourself to step back and not do it? And what is that but a betrayal of your own highest potential? We become afraid. So Jesus is our example of no matter what are we willing to take this path. So, of course, on Easter morning, we celebrate that on the morning, three days following the crucifixion, that Mary, the two Marys, Mary Magdalene and Mary, mother of Jesus, and a third woman, went to the tomb, and that the tomb was already open and empty. And furthermore, when they asked about Jesus having seen the burial shroud just sort of folded up in the corner, they were told, he's not here. And then, of course, someone spoke to Mary Magdalene, and... She, she, the Bible tells us she took it for the gardener. She took it for the gardener. And then she recognized this was Jesus. This was Jesus speaking to her. He told her in that morning as she went to embrace him, as we all would. She told, he told her, don't touch me yet. Don't touch me. I'm not fully with my father. And, and so we take that to kind of be, I'm in a fragile state right now. Have you ever sort of been so fragile that you kind of didn't want anybody to touch you? Didn't you, you just, you were holding it together. You were doing what was yours to do, but you did not need other people coming into your space in that moment. And so she was told, go tell, go tell everybody else and I'll show up there. So this is, the day we celebrate the rising from the tomb of the human Jesus on his fully divine path. And it's that time every year that we remember that we have kept ourselves in a tomb of limitation. We have kept ourselves held down from our own lack of confidence, from our fear, from listening to what society maybe wants out of us. Oh, you ought to be this. Or your parents always wanted you to do that. Or, oh, everybody would be shocked if I actually did this thing that I feel called to do. And so what we celebrate 
is our own spiritual transformation and our willingness to leave that tomb of limitation, to leave that darkness that's self-imposed upon us. No one has, none of us here are actually bound in chains. None of us here are actually inside of a tomb trying to get out. We are all people who are actually quite free and capable in our lives. And the only tomb is the one that probably starts back in our lizard brain, back in the amygdala, that says, "Uh, uh, uh, I don't think so. And instead of going, you know what, I haven't really been threatened by a saber-toothed tiger for a millennia or so, I'm going to stand back. I'm not going to take that step forward. So today we celebrate the taking of the step, whatever that step is. For you, it may seem like a monumental step. For the person next to you, your step may seem very trivial, but their step is really big. So this is a day that we simply focus on the truth of our hearts and what is it ours to do. So I'm going to invite you at this point to just begin becoming comfortable in your in your body, in your seat. Have your stone and your pencil handy, but you don't need it quite yet. So, you know, you can loosen your grip. Those stones, by the way, actually come from Jerusalem, which, um, which as we spoke last week, the metaphysical meeting of Jerusalem is a place of peace. A place of peace. And so these stones that you've been given today were actually quarried in, in the same place that Jesus would have been walking through his journey. As we begin this time of quieting, I invite you to see the words on the screen, to recognize the truth of them, and speak with me, if you wish, our opening affirmation. Releasing the things that are behind, I realize I am strong, positive, powerful, wise, loving, fearless, free spirit. I am the infinite, expressing at the point I am. I am peace in the midst of all matters. And if you just think about that last line for a moment, peace is always a choice. No matter what, peace is always a choice. Most of us will never actually be called to take the physical steps that Jesus apparently was called to take. Most of us will never really have to walk through the experience that he walked through. For most of us, our biggest real challenge is going to be simply remembering that I am peace in the midst of all matters. No matter what, no matter how big the journey, no matter how scary, no matter how challenging, no matter how much the voices in your head want to go, ah, 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 I can choose to be peace in the midst of all matters. So we're going to just begin with music as we frequently do. This is going to be a version of the prayer that's come to be known as the Lord's Prayer. 
The language that Jesus would have spoken, Aramaic, has many ways of translating each word. And so this, for me, represents a beautiful and lovely way for us to take those traditional words and bring the truth of them into our own hearts. As always, feel free to sing. The breath of life comes Who fills our heaven and earth May your light shine within us May we know you're not separate from us May we feel you in our hearts Let your together here speaking a version of words that have been spoken for thousands of years. Every culture, every religion has some type of prayer reminding us that there is guidance for us, that there is sustenance available to us. And that we are simply called to love ourselves and our neighbors. 
and we join in that consciousness. Considering the spiritual journey that we've been on for the past year or so, or maybe your whole life, in our spiritual calendar, we begin this process in gratitude around Thanksgiving time. And then at Christmas, we celebrate our quickening awareness of the Christ within each one of us. At the new year, we release whatever does not serve us, and we step into our highest desires for this new trip around the sun. And in the spring, we participate in the process of Lent by simply beginning a deeper awareness. What is it in the outer that we can truly release? What is it within us that we wish to grow? What are the true intentions of our heart? On Good Friday, we recognize non-resistance. We recognize the potential for transformation. We recognize that for each and every one of us, there is a deeper purpose. That for each and every one of us, there is a reason that we are here we begin to commit to walking our path in faith and in truth and simply step forth in willingness to do what is ours to do. And on Easter, we celebrate the great change in consciousness, the great transformation. We recognize Jesus as moving into his full spiritual authority and inviting us to do the same. In the Bible, we have many name changes. For example, the Apostle Paul was originally Saul and at a point he had an awakening and became Paul and spread the word of the good news of the Christ within. So we each sit here today with a white stone. And at this point, if you don't have it in your hand, I'm just going to invite you to take it into your hand and just feel it. In one sense, it's been quarried and it's been cut and it's been just a little bit polished so that it has a smoothness but it also still has the ridges and the cracks and just the evidence of its ancientness. White stones have been used as tools of transformation since ancient times. The alchemists used to use a white stone and say that it had the power to turn metal into gold. The Hindu tradition also has references to the white stone of transformation. And during Jesus' time, during the Roman Empire, when you were released from prison, you were given a white stone. And you were told to carry that stone with you everywhere you went because everybody would know that the white stone meant that not only were you free, but that you had a clean slate 
you had paid your debt and you could begin anew. So today we're using these white stones to symbolize that we may leave whatever prison we have created for ourselves and move fresh with no personal baggage that we can release whatever we choose to release, even perhaps releasing the intentions of previous white stone ceremonies. This is our day to demonstrate our willingness to assimilate an ever higher aspiration into our life. Again, moving to the Bible from the book of Revelation. Don't get all hung up on the fact that I'm quoting Revelation. We have some cultural stuff around that. But listen to this. Let anyone who has an ear listen to what Spirit is saying. To everyone who conquers, I will give some of the hidden manna, and I will give a white stone. And on the white stone is written a new name that no one knows except the one who receives it. So today we sit with our white stones and we sit with our willingness. And if you haven't already closed your eyes, I'm just going to invite you if it's comfortable to do so. And for these first few moments, simply breathe while focusing on the area of your body where your heart lives. Just imagine that with each breath, your heart is actually breathing. Scientists who study such things have found that using the imagination of breathing in the heart actually brings our body into a relaxed state of coherence and alignment. So we breathe, we relax, we remember the truth of us, which is that we are strong, positive, powerful, wise, loving, fearless, free spirit. So we allow ourselves to listen. You have work that is uniquely yours to do for this new cycle of growth. And you have the ability to know what that work is. The truth is that you are divine. The truth is that you are free, that you are unlimited. And that there are no chains binding you. So using your mind's eye, imagine that you're stepping out of whatever prison of limitation you've created for yourself. And imagine that there, right in front of you, is a door labeled freedom. And without any effort on your part, that door is opening wide. In this moment, know that you are safe, that you are cared for, and that walking through that door, you will find the golden light of realization of truth. 
So we ask the question, what is my new name? And we don't necessarily mean that you change the name people call you, such as Saul becoming Paul. But what is the name of your intention? What is the word that describes you? Perhaps it's loving, attentive, focused, visionary, whole, complete, forgiven, worthy, willing. You don't have to force this and you don't have to make one up. Just simply know that it is already written within you. So at this point, we simply move into stillness. And again, we allow music to facilitate that with us.
within the stillness of your own mind. Just as we simply saying God is, I am. Hear yourself saying to yourself, I am, whatever that new word is. Perhaps I am creative. I am gentle. I am healthy. I am light. I am peace. And if for any reason no word is coming to you, simply carry the stone with you and know that at some point you will hear what is yours to hear. Let 
So one of the things that uh, that is maybe a difference from how you were raised up, looking at your relationship with Jesus, with spirit, with that which is called God, when the words follow me come up, it is our belief that we were not being told to simply follow one teacher and what he told us 2,000 years ago, but that we were being invited to follow him into the consciousness of truth that we are each divine as he was. We also have these words which have come down to us, which is, these things that I can do, you can do also. 
He didn't say you can sort of kind of maybe do some of the stuff that I did. What he said was these things I do, you can do also and even more. So for this coming portion of our year, I just invite us each to let those words and that assurance and that invitation to truly follow Jesus and all of the masters who taught variations of this same message. And so when we focus again, moving into what we tend to think of as holy days, when we come back together in the fall and we begin again to focus with gratitude and thanksgiving. Imagine at this point that whatever that is you want to be thankful for then is already yours. It is already present. It is already done. In consciousness, that is so. And so it is. Thank you, everyone, for being here on this Easter day. Um, I hope that you will look at your stones every once in a while and um, and consider how you might be that in expression today. And I'm just going to tell you, if you got no word that came to you, or if you got a word that you're sure it was meant for, like, somebody the row behind you, <laughs> probably it is for you. And And if you got no word, you'll probably be driving stuck in traffic or in the shower or something. And... Something that you maybe don't want to hear will come into your mind. That could probably be your word. Thank you, everybody.